This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, April 29th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. President Trump talked about taking dramatically different steps with respect to foreign policy when he was on the campaign trail. So why is his foreign policy in so many ways so conventional? Trevor Thrall, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, discusses the president's first 100 days of foreign policy. 100 days doesn't actually mean anything. Uh, there are many 100-day periods left for uh, a president to do the things that he or she would like to do. So uh, as we mark this moment in time, uh, why care about it? I think there are a couple of reasons to care. The first is that Trump himself, uh, when he was campaigning, made a big deal out of how good his first 100 days would be, how much he would get done. And so it's an opportunity to see how he's doing. And the second is that the uh, although it's not the only 100 days uh, in his term, uh, certainly uh, the first 100 days gives us enough time uh, to start to see whether Trump, the president, looks anything like Trump, the candidate, and, and maybe to start you know, doing a little bit of predicting about where, where the arc of his presidency is headed. All right. So as far as your policy areas are concerned, how well has he performed? Um, you know, you have to give him a sort of an incomplete on, on a few things because uh, uh, the main thing that people were thinking Trump was going to bring was radical change to foreign policy. And you know, the America first uh, doctrine or vision that he spelled out as a candidate was the most radical departure from traditional American foreign policy positions since World War II, and people expected a lot of change. He, he talked about a lot of stuff, you know, pull out of NATO, make friends with Russia, rip up trade deals, all this sort of stuff. The very interesting thing about his first 100 days is just how little of that vision he has brought to pass. As I recall, when President Obama was uh, in his first few months in office, was talking very specifically about uh, al-Qaeda, and then not long after that, uh, expanded that to include Al-Qaeda and their extremist allies. And uh, not long after that was using a 2001-2002 authorization for the use of military force that was specifically for uh, Al-Qaeda and affiliated groups to bomb countries that uh, we would argue he didn't have any business bombing. Yes, true. So how, how much how much more quickly did Donald Trump get to that? Well, I think what he did was he built on what Obama left behind. And, and one of the things that you know, libertarians and folks here at Cato complained a lot about was just what a wonderful um, and smoothly running uh, you know, toolkit Obama left behind for Trump to do damage. So Trump stepped in and very smoothly continued most of the war on terror that Obama uh, had had in motion. And and since then has escalated. It's not a radically different war on terror yet, but Trump has kind of dialed it up a little bit. So bigger bombs, uh, more uh, authorization to the military, loosening the rules of engagement and allowing the military to pursue things on the battlefield. Um, and and he's considering, and we, we don't know the details yet, but considering escalation of a more serious nature in Yemen, uh, among other places. So um, you know, he, he hasn't he didn't start any real new fires yet, but he's certainly um, heating them up a little bit. All right. So with respect to uh, his view of his own authority and uh, what he views as the role of the president, this is there seems to be uh, a fairly striking departure. Is it fair to say that he has been 
uh, captured by conventional wisdom? I think Trump has been constrained uh, by a number of factors from being as radical a change agent as he thought he was going to be. You know, the first constraint is really just political reality. Trump Trump didn't know a darn thing about foreign affairs when when he was running for president. Um, you know, he he said all sorts of stuff that he has since admitted um, he really had no idea. You know, he said NATO is obsolete and that you know we should rethink it. Um, and then just a couple days ago in an interview with the Associated Press, he he acknowledged that when uh, Wolf Blitzer asked him the first question of the campaign about NATO, um, and and Trump said this stuff about NATO being obsolete, he, he admitted he had never thought about NATO and knew nothing about it. And so it was just an off-the-cuff answer. So as he's gotten into things now, he's like, well, I said it was absolute. Now it's not. Um, and so he's, he's just learning on the job. That one constraint is just his own ignorance. A second is you know, institutional constraints. The courts have slapped down his travel ban, at least for now. Congress has gotten in the way on the border wall. Um, you know, the rest of the world is a, is a constraint. I mean, he, he wants to do radical things maybe, but th- the facts on the ground make it tough to change course quickly. There's a reason the status quo looks the way it does. And then the final one, I think, well, not the final, but another important one is, um, you know, the old Reagan saw that uh, people are policy. And, you know, there was no America first bench to draw from for Trump on foreign policy. Nobody in D.C. goes around espousing the views that he did during the campaign. And so his foreign policy team is, is you know, staffed pretty much with conventional thinkers, uh, mostly Hawks, you know, Madison, McMaster, people like that. So, uh, you know, whether he's following their advice or not, the advice he's getting is almost certainly pretty traditional and conventional. And then I think the last thing that's constraining Trump from fulfilling an America first vision is really his own process. I think the Trump process is going to trump the Trump doctrine. Um, the dude is just so incoherent and, and sort of ADD. He just uh, he makes policy on the fly. And, and maybe this will change somewhat over time as he gets used to the job. But he doesn't seem super ideological or wedded to a doctrine as much as he is um, interested in short-term wins and you know looking good. And so I think that that's a you know tough thing to do um, while pursuing a coherent policy vision. Is that a striking difference from previous presidents? Yeah, I believe that is. I, I think, you know, say what you will about uh, Obama or Bush or Clinton uh, or the Bush before that uh, about their foreign policy and what you thought of it. But in terms of process, boy, they, they all looked a lot uh, like each other in terms of the much more deliberative approach they took uh, to making foreign policy decisions, um, more careful language, more careful process. Uh, I don't remember a single time, uh, or no, no, I, I can't remember too many times when when the president uh, before Trump would make a, a, a policy statement, a major policy statement, before having talked to or told uh, whatever senior advisor was actually in charge of that issue about it. Uh, Trump's already done that a number of times, and so. Yeah, I think Trump is very different on that score. What can be said for the possibility of uh, Donald Trump breaking free and, you know, for better or worse, embracing the vision uh, that he outlined in terms of putting America first and not getting involved in uh, foreign countries where the U.S. doesn't have vital national security interests? I think Trump is going to continue to play Jekyll and Hyde. I think I think he retains a strong instinct to to pull out of situations uh, like nation building in Iraq after ISIS and in Syria after the Civil War or in Afghanistan. Um, but he, he is going to have to fight uh, his advisors and the conventional uh, foreign policy establishment. 
Uh, I think the way he may do that, um, it's, it's going to be hard, but I think one of the things that will compel him towards doing that is the um, sort of the ever looming shadow of the 2020 presidential election. His base is really uh, not interested in the standard foreign policy portfolio. They're, they really want to see progress on the border wall. They're really more interested in you know shutting off immigration and things like that. And I think as he starts thinking more about getting reelected and more about making sure that base is happy, he, he may be more willing to go against the advice of his advisors. Given his campaign and given the fact that he would like to be reelected, uh, or he's indicated that he would, um, it would seem a mark against him that uh, his efforts have been thus far pretty conventional. I think that's true. It's you know, His base is going to really want to see progress on a couple of the key issues that he campaigned on, uh, immigration uh, and terrorism. I think on the terrorism side, he's giving them more or less what they want. Um, I, although I don't think he'll be able to claim any great successes. The the path he's pursuing is is the same one that we the United States has been pursuing for the past 15 years, playing whack-a-mole in the desert. Um, that's that's not going to provide any obvious progress. Uh, although it's you know it's what he said he would do. Uh, so in the end, I think Trump's going to have trouble um, you know pleasing his base. Uh, pursuing an America first vision that may, however, be good for the United States, because um, I think most of Trump's ideas uh, take us down a path that n- nobody's very interested uh, in going, at least not not following Trump. Trevor Thrall is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 